You're wonderful. We turn to uh, Luke's gospel in the 24th chapter, and we find that the, Jesus and his disciples around the table. They've met Jesus on a road in a resurrection encounter, but they didn't recognize him. They move into the house, and they gather around the table, and that's when they realize who it is, and they begin a conversation, and this is the conclusion to that conversation. <clears throat> Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Then he led him out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple blessing God. The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. You do bless us, O oh God. You bless us in so many ways. You bless us with the gift of young people. You bless us with their energy and excitement and poise. You bless us with all the possibilities that we see in them. We are blessed today. We ask that you continue to bless us in what we hear. The words that you speak, that we may in fact go out into the world a changed people, renewed with hope and energy. Excite us as a congregation for what is to come. In Christ we pray. Amen. So you want to know what the longest day in history is? It's not the last day of school, which feels like the longest day. It's not, it's not when you have to get in line at the Department of Motor Vehicles and wait for whatever it is they're going to do to you. It's Easter. Easter. The longest day in history. That's what the gospel writers want to make sure you know. That Easter is the longest, most joy-filled day in history. Scholars will be quick to tell you that all of the gospels treat the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, we just read, as one big movement, one big, long, wonderful day. Easter begins with the empty tomb, but it continues all through the resurrection accounts and experiences that the disciples have with the risen Christ from the time they see him on the seashore and eat with him on the seashore in John or when they meet him on the road in Luke just prior to what we read. And all of the accounts are part of Easter Day. And it concludes with the ascension story, the mysterious ascension of Jesus into heaven as we just read a moment ago. It's the longest day in history. So here we are at the end of this long day 
And what do we find Jesus doing? Well, he does exactly what we would be doing at the end of a day like that. When you get to the end of a long, amazing, incomparable day, what's the first thing, or at least one of the first things you do? You grab someone who was part of it with you, and you start talking about it. You start reminiscing over it. You say, I can't believe what you did at the beginning. And on that ground, that was great. Hasn't this been the greatest day ever? You start reminiscing. Seniors graduating from high school have certainly been doing that. At least their parents have, right? You could think of this whole time of school as one long day that is now coming to a close. I mean, after all, you've been going to school in the exact same way all the way since kindergarten. What do your parents do when they, around this time, you know, they, I can remember when you were just barely able to crawl, you know. And that time, you know, and you've grown so much. And they reminisce. We reminisce, we look back. What Jesus is doing with his disciples in our story. These are the words that I told to you while I was with you, he says. And then he walks them through the entire account of of the scripture at the time, the Old Testament, in a brief little line. It's Luke's clue that they spent more time doing that. In other words, they talked about the ministry that they shared together, the times, the things he taught them, the things they did, and what happened. And they spent time looking back in order to get excited about what is going to happen next. And we get that, don't we? Sometimes. You can look back on your life. Not every time, not every time you do that, but sometimes you can look back on your life and all that's happened and it can get you excited about what's going to happen next. We can look back and almost see more clearly what God has been up to with us. We all of a sudden get hopeful for what might happen next. So I told you all of that in order to tell you this. The session of this church, the leaders of the church, they make the decisions. I get to pick a hymn or two and, you know, unlock some doors. They make the decisions. They have been at work for over a year. They've been talking about, praying about, brainstorming about, having exercises and sticky note things on walls and to get a pulse, a bead on the pulse of this congregation to talk about and lift up who we are and what direction we believe God is calling us to go. And they just recently approved a new mission statement for this church. And we're unveiling it today. At the end of the service, the ushers will be at the exits, and you'll have a card that has the full mission statement on it. And so you can get one on your way out. We didn't want you to have it before, because, you know, I wanted you to listen to me, not read the card. Anyway, you'll get it as you leave. But we also have a new one-line for the church, a kind of a one-liner. And we have a video that I would like to show you that, that introduces.
building relationships wherever we go. Attorney Line, I want to say a couple of things about that. The first one is this. I believe this is exactly what Jesus did in his own ministry. Everywhere he went, he sought out relationships to build them, to be part of them. When people would respond, he would listen, he would bless, he would heal. It didn't matter where you were, when you, where you came from, what your background is, who you were. He broke the mold when it came to living a relational life. So it's a biblical line. I also believe that it fits this church to a T. I've been the pastor here for a little over seven years. And in that time, I've been watching you. I've been watching you. Now, don't go out and, and use that to invite anyone to church. You know, I mean, come to church. Our pastor watches us. Probably not going to work. <laughs> but I have. And in watching you, I deeply believe that one of your gifts, one of your passions, one of your desires is to have healthy relationships with all kinds of people. And I believe it's, it's a core identity of this church. One reason I know that is because when someone gets missed, which happens, you don't like it. And I get a phone call. And it happens. I also believe that this is a countercultural statement. I wish it weren't. But the world desperately needs a church that is seeking to do this very thing. Someone that doesn't believe that just because you have a different opinion than I do, therefore it makes us enemies. The world needs a church that builds relationships and makes that part of their mission. I've got two stories I want to share that are examples of this church doing this. The first one comes from years ago I, uh, when I first came. I met two longtime members named Ralph and Kitty Graves. Kitty now lives in McKinney in a facility, is not able to make it to church, which drives her crazy, but we go to her. Ralph died in my first year. Some of you remember them. And I've, I've shared this story before, but it's been a while. And when we were sitting, I was sitting with the family, and we were planning the service, and we were talking, and, and somewhere in the middle of the conversation, one of the family members said, Kitty, tell him the story. He doesn't know the story. And so she said, okay, well, Ralph and I were leaving church one day back at the old location before the church moved out here over on Campbell Road, right across from the old Methodist Hospital. We were walking out of church, and I was, he went around to the driver's side, and I was getting into my side, and I heard him say, Kitty, there's a bag here. So I walked around, and we looked at this bag, and we were kind of worried as to, you know, what's this bag? And all of a sudden, it started to move. We opened it up. It was a newborn baby. Some mother had just had a child, and 
obviously was in such desperation in her life or in such a place that she felt she couldn't take care of her. So what did she do? She left this baby. She found a church across from the hospital. Maybe Canyon Creek had helped her at some point and, and she knew she could trust that we would do the right thing. So we had this baby. We took this baby and, and we wrapped it up in our arms, wrapped her up in our arms, put a blanket. We had a blanket in the car just by happenstance and we, we drove her to the hospital when, and, and Ralph, Kitty said, Ralph, more than, even more than me, wanted to make sure that she was taken care of the lack of insurance or any of that stuff wasn't going to hinder the care she received. And here's my card, here's who I am, contact me. And the hospital at the time kept us informed as if we were the stand-in parents. We were the only parents that she, they knew of that she would have. We would have adopted her ourselves. We were too old. But we helped make sure she had good foster care. In other words, it didn't stop there. As this young lady grew, Ralph would write cards and congratulate her on a success and send money if she needed help with money for college and money for this and and support and prayers and we're with you up until the day he died. They didn't just do the right thing. They began a relationship. At the time, I didn't realize it when I was told this story, but I didn't realize that that was a, they were telling me about the heart and soul of this church. I have another one. It's about a month ago. This is an experience of one of our members that they posted on Facebook. They were at Kroger. Yesterday at the checkout line in Kroger, I randomly had a nudge to say to the clerk, I just want you to know how much we appreciate what a great job you do here helping us check out. Now I admit, I don't say this often, and I mostly just say a mumbled thank you or have a good day or whatever, and I'm usually rushing on to the next thing, and half time I'm annoyed because the strawberries aren't as fresh as I want them, and my favorite bread was not in the bakery. She responded with downcast eyes and a quiet voice. I've only been here two weeks, so I'm still learning. I encouraged her that new jobs could take a while to adjust to, you know, new rules and all of that, and and that she was doing very well. With her head bent over, she said, this is the first time I've worked in 15 years. I just got divorced. He knocked out all of my teeth as she forced a smile. I fumbled for words to say to this woman who in that moment trusted me with her story. I'm so sorry this happened to you, I said to her. You will be a great cashier. Next time I go, I will get into her checkout line, no matter how long it is. I read this story, and I almost immediately jumped up and screamed, that. That's what this church does. We don't just do the right thing. We begin a relationship. It's also what Jesus did in his own ministry as he calls us to do the same. 
at the end of the longest, most joy-filled day in history. We find the disciples reminiscing about their ministry together, hearing once again what Jesus had to say to them, reminding them of all that they've done, all the ways God has worked in their life up to now as they get excited about what God might bring them next. I picture our seniors in some way or other doing the very same thing, looking back on your life and how you've grown, the people you've become, and God's hand in all of that as you get excited about what's going to happen next. It is also my hope for this church that no matter how long you've been here, even if you're here for the first time and you've just barely been here under an hour, that you're already looking back and seeing God at work in this place, God doing all kinds of things through us, so much so that you become excited about what God might do next because today friends today we begin building relationships everywhere we go get ready amen